So, we've been on a series called Love Speaks, uh, taking our cue from Ephesians chapter 4 and the counsel to believers to speak the truth in love. And we've looked at a few different aspects of this because every area of life God has spoken to us about. And there is scripture about. And so we've looked at a number of different themes here with Love Speaks. Love listens. Love cares. Love guides. Love encourages. And last week we talked about love reconciles. We're wanting to learn what God has to say. And so this has just been a way for us to kind of streamline, hopefully make simple and relevant and memorable the things that are taught to us. And each of these areas is actually huge in the scripture. And we've just kind of revealed the tip of the iceberg. And uh, so just, you know, remind you, cityharborchurch.com slash messages. You've got the scriptures that we've used, the notes and um, audio, etc. Um, but life is a journey. It's a spiritual journey. Do you know that your thoughts and emotions are spiritual? Because you are a spirit being whom God has given life. And because God has the best ideas, God, just like a, a potter sits down, you know, in the old way with a lump of clay and shapes it, God who gives life has the best ideas. And when we allow ourselves to be shaped by the potter, life can be better. You've ever seen that inscription on a bottle, for best results? Life can be better. And and what we've talked about last week, what we're talking about this week, is one of the ways in which our relationships with each other can be better. And and I'm thankful they're not new concepts because I can say easily that these are concepts that we do know, that we do believe among this family of believers. It's not all brand new. We're we're already on this journey. We're not not bringing this message to say that we're at zero, bringing some major correction. No, I'm trying to affirm, encourage, remind what is already good in our fellowship, but also maybe bring a little bit more depth and instruction on areas that can be improved. And to help us as believers understand that life can be better when we allow the potter to shape us Like it says in Ephesians 4, to let the Holy Spirit make new our thinking and our feeling. With an understanding that every area of our life can be improved. Our homes, our family relationships, our neighborhood relationships, and Baltimore City and large and complex organizations can be improved if we will employ these principles, put them to use. Does that make sense? But it all sounds impossible if we're trying to do it out of our own strength. If we're trying to do it just out of our own energy, it's just going to be guilt and legalism and some kind of control in our external behavior. Our motives aren't going to be right and we're just going to muck it up. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, made the mistakes. 
you know, you know, obviously not perfect, still make mistakes. But one of the things that I have learned is that all of this truth is life-giving, not guilt-giving, not shame-giving. When I've started from a place of a personal relationship with Jesus, I've confessed where I've been wrong, I've received forgiveness and new spiritual life through Jesus. A miracle on the inside out. Following Jesus is an inside out thing. When I've received the love of Jesus and I've been changed on the inside, then I'm better able to draw spiritual strength from that relationship with God. And all of these principles are now life-giving, encouraging, and much easier to apply. And that's what's already been discussed in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. It's the foundation for this. So I mention it every week. And really, every week, our times together, we should, should be Jesus-focused. The Bible is perfect in its revelation of Jesus. Are you with me? So today, as our kind of part two from last week, I want to talk about love restores. Love restores. Maybe you've seen some YouTube videos on how to restore your great-grandfather's Swiss Army knife or people working on old cars that have been given up on by four or five owners. <laughs> love restores. This is a deep, big topic that is directed for people who are responding to Jesus for what we can do with our words. And it has a lot to do with how life can be better. So, Daniel mentioned Galatians, didn't know that I was going to go to Galatians this morning. And Daniel rightly mentioned that the theme of Galatians is spiritual freedom. Now, we're going to fast forward into the letter a little bit and pick up in chapter 6. And we're going to focus on this phrase, which connects with a, a bunch of other scriptures. Here's the phrase, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, as is our practice, we're going to read the first five verses to give us some context today, okay? Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, this is the New Living Translation of that phrase I just read, restore such a one. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful to not fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. We've looked at that verse a little bit over the last few weeks. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to become more like Jesus? This is a part of what we're talking about here. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisf satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now these five verses give us a little bit of context and 
reveal to us that God, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is speaking to the believers in the region of Galatia that are humans like us that clearly kind of get caught up in the, I like to be right. And I like it when I'm right and someone else isn't quite as right and needs my adjusting. <laughs> ever, ever heard of a chiropractor as a whack and crack? <laughs> like, and crack your neck. After a few car accidents, I, I went through three chiropractors. And so, you know, there's good and bad things about the practice. As you know, I, I respect learning and there's a lot to learn. But I think a part of what God is saying through Paul to the Galatian believers is that you are not all meant to be that type of chiropractor to each other. (laughs) So let's come back to this, this phrase. You who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, as we often do, let's have a look at the words, and I'm going to draw some meaning from the um, original language that it was written in. Interesting um, here, which is not always the case in verses on this topic, we have this word overcome, or a person who's overtaken, or a person who's involved in, a person who's caught in, a person who... Um, it's been a sudden, becoming suddenly aware of wrongdoing, surprised to learn about it, and, or surprised to be caught up in it. Now, this is, um, this is a little bit uh, unique. Um, have you ever woken up and got in the shower, got the shampoo working, and, and then hear your alarm going off in, in your bedroom? And then if you want to avoid a, a Mr. Bean or, or Kramer type tumble in, 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 in the, the, the shower or the tub, you've got to train yourself to resist the urge to go flying out of there to turn the alarm off to finish what you're doing and then safely and carefully go to turn the alarm off. That's really different than when we train ourselves to ignore our alarm. So this, this first word, overcome, what it's not talking about is a person who has trained themselves to ignore the Holy Spirit's alarm about sin. When we train ourselves to ignore that, that, that sense of conviction, hey, this is wrong, don't do this, this isn't good for you, it's not according to God's four best results instructions. It's not what this is talking about. And we see that Jesus can be, even Jesus can be fairly direct, go and sin no more. So it's a little bit unique, not our focus for today, but if we're going to really interpret the passage, we have to mention it. Now, next in our phrases, we have the word wrongdoing. It's a transgression um, uh, word for sin. Uh, making that mistake, missing out on God's plan, or God's law by false step or failure. We talked about that last week and before. Those who are spiritual, those who are godly, what does that mean? Now, specifically, in the Greek, what's being talked about here is those who, are, who have received God's Spirit. You've received the Holy Spirit, and you're living by the leading of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. That's a theme in Scripture. So, this, he's using a word and a phrase that would have triggered, oh yeah, it's about that teaching. I'm supposed to be following the Spirit's lead in my daily life. So people who are following the Spirit's lead get involved with this. 
Then we have our word restore, to cause to be fully qualified, fully trained. Now that's interesting. I'm going to come back to that because that's our, our biggest theme for the day. Uh, gentleness with humility, meek, mild, speaking softly. And this word is specifically a contrast word. Specifically, it says not being harsh. Not being harsh. So let me go back in in a different translation. Let's uh, read those first five verses again now that we have a little bit of an understanding. It is the duty of, spirit led, of the Spirit-led to be gentle. Gentleness will convert the sinner, especially when some trouble is taken. All of us are subject to temptation. Bear with the common weakness of the body, forgiving sins as Christ did. Remembering that you too are imperfect. Love is the essence of the law. All pride is sinful and arises from our great distance from God. That's helpful. We must scrutinize our lives and only then boast if we must. We need not be afraid to associate with sinners in need, for the coming judgment will leave each of us with our own burden of conscience. That, that, that's how I would summarize the, the writings of the early Christians that we still have today on that, on that stretch of verses. That's how they interpreted it. And, and they summarized it with this phrase, people who are struggling with a sin are to be spurred toward reform with kindness. Now, I want to remind us of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7, because we do have the agape love as set in this context. Love believes the best of people. Sometimes when we feel like we notice that someone is in the wrong, we are not careful to make the decision to believe the best about someone else. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the verses goes like this. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. We get a specific idea here. Don't be a busybody. Make sure you've got a healthy focus first on your relationship with God. That's important. Now let's come back to this word restore. Because we've been looking at the, the, the similar and connected often phrase that we should, as believers, should be building each other up. So restore, to cause to be fully qualified, fully trained. Now obviously, we get this fully qualified, it mixes with what Christ's work in a person. It's Jesus who brings about, through redemption, through the good news, a justification, a cleansing. And we talked a few weeks ago about how we can, with our words, bring someone into that saving relationship with Jesus. And we as believers can be helpful reminders to each other that a person would confess where they're wrong and receive that qualification that comes when we're 
forgiven because of Christ's redemptive work, that atonement, right? So that's a part of what we should be doing. Any words that we should be saying, that's got to be the focus, that's got to be the foundation. The focus and the foundation need to be that that person finds their salvation, their justification, their qualification in Jesus. Not in your words. Your words and your thoughts are not the focus. That's not the lead. Does that make sense? So we're starting there. Uh, beyond that, we, the, the word is used very specifically to talk about following Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And, and we get this concept, we, we get this picture very clearly when we see Jesus in John chapter 3 sitting on the, having the conversation with Nicodemus about receiving new spiritual birth, justification, qualification. But the, the word here in the Greek also includes the concept of being fully trained, helping a person follow Jesus as the good shepherd, walking alongside them. And we get the concept of training. Remember, life is a journey. It's a spiritual journey. And we can help each other grow in understanding of what that means to be trained for this spiritual life, this spiritual journey to become more like Jesus. So I've asked Jeff to come and to help us understand this a little bit better with an illustration. Jeff, will you come now? All right. How are you guys doing? Pastor Ben asked me to bring a fully packed backpack because I'm uh, going on a two-day trip. And I had no idea why, but I'm down, right? <laughs> uh, so... Um, Okay, so I'm just going to show you uh, what I would bring on a um, backpacking trip uh, for two days. A little caveat, this pack is uh, 20 years old and it's technically retired because during my through hike, I um, trimmed the belt. I'll demonstrate. So, (laughs) uh, big mistake. Okay, so what would I bring on a two-day trip? Um, so first of all, I always have uh, hiking sticks, and of course this this is because uh, four legs are better than two, saves your knees, and also these are my poles for my tent. So that's kind of key. Mm-hmm. Okay, water. Usually two of these, and usually actually the uh, the two dollar Dasani bottle because it's lighter. These are like six ounces. Dasani is one ounce, so that's better. Mm-hmm. Let's drop some. <laughs> uh, so on the outside we have socks, and this is where you um, hang your dirty socks for everyone to see. Um, but socks and shoes are actually the most important thing about backpacking, and You'll trade socks uh, during the day if they get wet or damp and swap them. You do not want these inside your pack, okay? If you've been out more than a day. Rain jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most important piece of gear the spoon. <laughs> Hiking is about eating, okay? And you want this handy. Like, you don't want it like buried in the pack. 
And by the way, just it's, it's what you use to clean it, and so that works pretty good. Um, I'm a little old school. I carry a ma map and compass. Young kids these days, I don't think, are doing that. I don't know if people know how to use this anymore. But uh, a lot of people just use their, uh, yeah, use their phones nowadays, which is cool, techie, but it will die. Headlamp. Um, these are my stakes for the tent, which I'll show you in a second. Uh, this is a rain cover for the pack because you got to keep all this dry somehow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's in there. Okay, things you never want to leave home without. Toilet paper. With hand sanitizer. I don't mm -hmm. want to put that on your thing. Okay. <laughs> it's been used. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, one of my favorite things. This is a giant four liter water tank. And when you have to go a mile off the mountain to get water, you don't want to do that more than once. So you carry this down with you, fill it all the way up, and then from there, you can filter water and cook. And this should last you like a full night plus morning. Water purification. Okay. The patches on this pack are from my through hike. On the um, Appalachian Trail? Yeah, Appalachian Trail. And um, I weighed the pack after I finished. And it's all about light weight, right? It turns out I had put about a pound of patches on this thing, <laughs> which is just dumb. <laughs> but I thought it was cool at the time. Uh, so this would be my food bag, roughly this size, for, um, for two days. And what I've packed today? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, this was handy today, Cheez-Its. It's not far off from like what we would, you know, we would have unhealthy things. My favorite thing to pack is hot pockets. You don't need an oven, you just need to let them thaw at least a day and a half, and they're perfectly good to eat because of preservatives. Uh, titanium pot, very light. This is the cooking gear. And is that a wet bag that it's in? Yes, so sort of. Sill nylon kind mm -hmm. of protects. I don't think anything in this particular bag is critical. Um, I just have salt and pepper and a little thing. Mug for coffee. Stove is a, what's this thing called? Pocket rocket. Okay. <laughs> I won't get it out, but it's a little stove that goes on the top. Alright, two lighters, because you never know. Soap and scrubber. So that's the kitchen. Make it quite a mess here. <laughs> it's good. Almost done, guys. <laughs> okay, so I just have clothing. Um, jacket, and this can look different every trip, but um, so this is like a winter item. So jacket, and I would always have like a longer sleeve lightweight, which I couldn't find. Mm -hmm. um, this is pretty important. Uh, two top and bottom uh, long underwear layers. It protects your sleeping bag from getting dirty. Okay, so if you go in your sleeping bag with your bare skin on your arms and legs, you're going to ruin that sleeping bag in like not a whole lot of time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, this is a tent, this is one pound, and we try to save weight where we can. So the hiking poles are mm -hmm. the poles for this tent. All right. Sleeping pad, okay, and I think that's the last thing, is down sleeping bag, this is a 20 degree, so. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. We're gonna say something about it? I could take it out. Uh, so it weaves down because it is more weight efficient and keeps you warmer for less weight and bulk. So if you use, uh, you know, synthetics, uh, you have more bulk, more weight, mm -hmm. uh, same, same uh, warmth, but you just gotta keep down dry. It's probably the most important thing. So all this stuff is in a plastic trash compactor bag. It's not a regular trash bag. It's a uh, two mil plastic. So with that, you should be able to just basically pour a stream or you know get completely soaked, and your sleeping bag will be dry. So don't don't thank you. Okay. Don't yeah. don't go anywhere. I want to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. So what happens if your sleeping bag gets wet? You're I can't use the word. You're um, you're out. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Help yes. us uh, uh, for for anyone who hasn't camped overnight. What yeah. does that mean? Trouble. Why are you uh, in trouble? Possibly you're in for a hypothermic night. So depending on like mm -hmm. first of all, it got wet because it's probably raining, mm -hmm. and you are wet. And so if your sleeping bag is also wet, you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble mm -hmm. to the point where you may have to. Um, Keep hiking to stay warm instead of going in that wet sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. Down loses all of its, not all of it, but it loses most of its uh, capability to keep you warm if mm -hmm. it's wet. Right. So Some, somehow geese magically don't yeah, have that problem. Exactly. But we, we humans, when we yes. use it, like yes. we do have that problem. So you can right. die yes, you overnight with colder temperatures. Yes. And uh, depending on the region that you're hiking, it could be plenty warm during the day, but it can get cold enough at night that you can die if yeah. that gets wet. Absolutely. So give us one minute on the Appalachian Trail. What's the Appalachian Trail? Uh, 2,200 2, miles, Georgia to Maine. Marie would tell you it's Maine to Georgia. It's actually Georgia to Maine. <laughs> She's not here to like speak up for the Sobos, South Bounders, but mm -hmm. I'm a North Bounder. Uh, it's you know, six months roughly hiking. Um, I averaged about 15 miles a day. Um, that's after I subtracted all the zeros I took, which are days mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and if you were in um, now a relatively remote section of the trail, yes. and someone took your backpack from you, yes. and you had what you're wearing now, yeah. even in the summer, uh -huh. what would the result of your first day and night be on your condition? Uh, if it were summer, you'd be okay and um, probably very tired. If it were winter, uh, once again, you'd be in trouble. Um, especially if you're not wearing like your coat or something. So mm -hmm. if you lose this, this is your, your safety. You know, like this keeps you alive. Mm -hmm. um, lucky thing here on the East Coast is there's a road every, you know, so I think your first move would be to make for a road and get out, but. Um, yeah. If you had to spend the night, you would actually want to just keep moving. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Sorry about that, that. That's helpful. You're you're good. You're yeah. good. You can leave that stuff there, and we'll just set okay. this stuff over sure, there. Yeah. So in in the northern parts of North America, still to this day, more people die 
from exposure to cold temperatures than any other natural cause. So it's pretty serious. And what's, what's happened just now is that you have gotten a quick training on what's needed. You've gotten a quick training on, on what you would pack. Now, I, I can see from some of your facial expressions, a lot of you are not ready to go out on the Appalachian Trail. You would want more training. <laughs> so, thank you, Jeff. That's really helpful. So, coming, coming back to this Bible word, What, what's being discussed here is the spiritual journey, which is a journey that we are wired to not do by ourselves. The New Testament's very specific about that. And that when someone is caught in a sin, that a part of our communal relationship is training. Guidance, helpful, like, hey, this is what I have found in my relationship with Jesus that has been good, that has helped me on this journey. What I have found is that in the scripture, we, get, um, we do get specific, hey, don't do this, but we do also get a lot of do this. So what I don't see in scripture is that we should focus on don't do that. We need to be aware of don't do that. But we also need training in what it's like to become more like Jesus so that we're living out of hope, so that we're living out of a focus of, on what is positive, which is God's life-giving grace to us and that relationship with Jesus. And oftentimes when we try to go this journey alone, we will focus on the negative and obsess on the problem. What we can do as believers for each other is help lift each other and bring some training around, some equipping around the positive focus. Now let me just briefly, we're pretty much out of time, but give you a few other places in Scripture that this same word, restore, is used. Starting with Jesus' teaching in chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 40. The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. That is the same word that is Jesus referring to you believers becoming like me. Jesus speaking, becoming like me. So becoming like Jesus is the focus. And that is in Jesus' teaching about, hey, don't judge other people. Don't condemn each other. Um, lest you need that forgiveness. And it's the, then he follows it with the analogy about taking someone, the splinter out of someone else's eye when you have a big stick in your eye. This word is also used, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9, as a prayer topic. Those who were spiritually mature would pray the restoration that we pray for is you becoming mature. That's an English translation of the Greek there. So it's a prayer topic that we should be praying for for each other around becoming like Jesus. And it's also in another verse that you may have missed on a famous uh, verse about the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. God uses the scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Equipped for every good work is the same word that's used here in this phrase. 
Now, what we have also seen is that this word was also earlier in this chapter, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that the fivefold ministry in there equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So what's supposed to be a clear part of this going on a, on a becoming more like Jesus, the kingdom of God journey, is in our relationships equipping each other, training each other, helping each other, giving each other useful information. Does that make sense? That's, it, it, this is actually a big theme. Let me give you just a couple of tweetable proverbs and then we'll close with our, um, what we should do about it. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes when we're surprised, caught off guard like this, it kind of hurts. Another translation of that is wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Helping people along the path of restoration. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. In our following Jesus, in our reconciliation, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I want you, it's so very important when we think about this and in last week's message and resolving conflict with each other, that when we're resolving conflict, a part of the communication is making available a path for restoration, not blind trust, but here's how a way that trust can be built. An explanation in the conversation of here's how it can be done better with the goal on restoration. Restoration is the goal. Remember the apology was, this is what I did that was wrong. This is the harm that it caused. And that comes from the listening. I'm sorry, I make a commitment to never do it again. Please forgive me. How can I make this right? We see this example earlier in Galatians chapter 2. What happens? Peter has come. Peter has primarily led the Jewish Jesus followers. He's been around Paul, who's primarily been leading the Gentile Jesus followers. When the Jews from Jerusalem come, Peter stops eating with the Gentile believers like he did before and starts only and starts limiting himself to the Jewish practices. Paul confronts that as wrong, makes a path of restoration, and it's set in this letter of Galatians that's focused on spiritual freedom. I don't have the time to unpack that, but it's really important. So what should we do? Here's our practical response. We'll close in prayer this morning. Number one, this is going to sound familiar, reflect on today's verses. God gave you a brain and your brain has purpose, and your brain has function, and your thoughts can be spiritual. And you can meditate, you can reason, you can learn, you can use logic, you can use understanding, and you can use your heart and your emotions. Reflect, meditate on God's Word. Number two, make any needed personal course corrections. Do you see that maybe you haven't been restoring others in this Bible-honoring way. If you need to make course corrections, do so. Number three, pray, asking God to, for help in this area. We always want to be engaging God, God's voice, God's direction in all these areas. So again, so that we're not beating ourselves up with our own thoughts, but we're letting God speak into us because God is gracious, God is loving, God's instructions are life-giving. 
So ask God for help in this area, including understanding and gracious humility. Well, I can remember a very distinct difference when, between when people have corrected me with gracious humility and without. Number four, this is what's really helpful. Write truths of following Jesus to grow in clarity. If someone were to ask you for help, for training, for equipping on what it's like to live this life with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, have you really plunged the depth of the truths of that and what it means to you? Write some stuff down. Write down some truths to prepare yourself for helping someone else. Lastly, number five, ask God if there is an action step for you this week. Ask God if there's one thing, an action step for you this week. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer and just recommend that today you read Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 through 10 as a blessing and an encouragement in follow-up of this message. Galatians 6, 8 through 10. God, thank you. You are the life giver, our provider, and our protector. That you care about each of us. You don't want us to be injured and hurt and hurt by each other. You want us to grow stronger in our relationships. You want us to grow in our capacity and our ability to be helpful to each other, to be beneficial to each other. Thank you, God, that if we follow your way, life gets better. We grow in strength and peace and joy, and we can be helpful in our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, and this city to be peace builders. Thank you that you give us purpose and grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Say hi to someone um, and, and fellowship with them. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.